I mean, you need to, there's a technical side of things um, to keep the wine healthy and from the chemistry, chemical perspective. Um, but at the same time, there's so much we don't know. Mm. So there's, you know, every every wine is every wine is different and unique. Uh, you can't have like a chemical fingerprint of each wine you make. So, in this episode, I'm talking to Stephanie Vitt, winemaker at Thistle and Weed. Hello, Stephanie. Hi, Pietra. How are you? Well, and you. Nice to meet you. Yeah, lovely to meet you too. So, you're a winemaker. And your wine is called uh, Thistle and Weed. Yes, yes. Yeah. And just tell me about your um, career as a winemaker. How did you start? What was the interest in wine when you were younger? So, um, actually, my uh, my sisters thought it would be a great idea for me to study winemaking. They were keen to have a supply of um, free wine in the family, is what they thought. <laughs> Um, but I wanted to study, um, something, uh, in science. So it was a, a, a bachelor of science degree, um, which was something which was quite applied, but it's, um, coming from Johannesburg, which is very far away from the wine winelands, about a thousand kilometers away. It was, might sound like an unusual choice, um, but my grandfather actually was a winemaker. So he had oh, a wine okay. farm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my mother grew up on a wine farm here in Stellenbosch. So um, none of the, the rest of the family is not in, in the wine business. And I'm the youngest granddaughter. And now I've gone full circle back into wine. Wow, so, isn't that amazing? And you yeah. lived in Johannesburg. So, I mean, you didn't have, it's not as if you grew up on a wine farm that you had that um, no but definitely grew up with wine culture okay so my um opa neil Yubar was um the owner of speed so there was always always wine around oh okay yeah and um but you 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 said that you were interested in science and this is what also was sort of an incentive uh, to to study winemaking but I've read recently that wine is as much a science as it is an art do you agree with that oh yes yeah no definitely I mean you need to there's a technical side of things um, to keep the wine healthy and from the chemistry chemical perspective Um, but at the same time there's so much we don't know Mm. so there's you know, every every wine is every wine is different and unique. Uh, you can't have like a chemical fingerprint of each wine you make. So mm. um, it's there's so much we don't know, and we don't know about how things in the vineyards affect the wines. You know, in the bottle. Um, so I think all of that stuff that we don't know, we rely on. <clears throat> excuse me, on intuition, mm. and uh, that's where the art comes in. Okay. And do you think, uh, so for example, your, your wines um, is distinct to you. So uh, for example, so if, uh, is there a recipe and then somebody else can come and copy that, but it it will still taste different or still taste the same? Um, 
So, yeah, I don't think so. Um, mm. The, I think the thing is, I'm actually um, quite like an artist in the way that I'm not very uh, consistent with doing stuff um, in like an orderly way. Yeah. So, okay. so I think um, that's actually quite a, a benefit for me. My wines are not recipe recipe driven. Yeah. So um, each vintage, you might do something different. Um, every step of the process is kind of considered and and then we decide what we want to do when we want to bottle how many how many months it's going to spend in the barrels or even which barrels we're going to select it's not um uh there's i suppose a a like a a baseline recipe but when it comes to the details that's that's like specific for um every action Mm. so yeah someone someone else could could work with these vineyards and um we do find that uh so a lot of the vineyards so in my business i don't own any grapes uh only own any vineyards and i don't own oh. a winery so i um i purchase fruit from different growers and make the wine in rented cellar space so a lot of the vineyards i would actually share with other amazing winemakers um and sometimes we even pick harvest on the same day but our wines are completely different isn't that amazing so yeah so i think um no there's definitely yeah something there Mm. so um you're saying that now do you go out uh, or how do you choose then the the vineyards that you uh get your grapes from so um yeah i i used to start I, when i started i was working at fairview winery which um is a very big and commercial setup and um i started making my own wines just a little bit of shannon um so i can actually show you the this is the wine oh yeah oh called, but that's um, a beautiful a beautiful uh label Nikki. that you have in. yeah right. um, so that's a shannon yeah, so that's the, the first wine I started making is, is Chenin Blanc, and um, that's really where my passion is, um, and I think my expertise in white wine making, and um, also Chenin Blanc being, you know, a flagship wine or variety for South Africa. So yeah, we we only look for for quality vineyards. Um, you know, I'm I'm playing in the really the premium wine sector so i mean there are many vineyards you can get grapes from anywhere but we we get work with the growers and really make sure we get good quality premium grapes um and then for us it's really important the site that the vineyard is is growing on so winemakers speak about terroir which is you know everything the soil the vineyard the how it's grown is it trellised is it a bush vine the climate um the the slope the road direction all of those type of things so um that's the kind of identity and the story that i want to try tell in each wine the sense so each wine needs to have its own sense of place 
That's amazing. That's so interesting. I I didn't realize. I mean, I you don't realize it maybe if you're a wine connoisseur and you but otherwise you don't realize it when you drink the wine, you know, that that's all uh have to be in place for you. But now do you also do you do you just buy your wines from a specific district or um would this also influence the wine if you suddenly now buy from a different district? Oh, definitely. So I, um, f- uh, my main portfolio is Chenin Blanc. So I make three Chenin Blancs and I make them um, basically the same way, whole bunch press and natural ferment in barrels. Um And I bottle them at the same time, but they are, one is from Paul, one is from the Swartland and one is from Stellenbosch and three different wines. So that sense of place is so, yeah, so important. And I think that's where the art comes in to be able to stand in a vineyard and kind of think, where is this, where will these, where can these grapes take us um, and try capture that? So, um, and, and to make the best possible wine from a site. So do you actually taste the grape and that that grape tells you something about what what the wine can be? Um to a certain extent but I think it's it's more of more of the 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 site so the soil the okay. um the vineyard the um the grapes as well but but by the time you get to tasting the grapes when they're ready for picking you know you've made the decision to to take the, this oh, vineyard yeah so um you have to make that decision based on all the other aspects um and you'll taste grapes to make the decision on, on when to pick when to harvest you know are we going to harvest tomorrow or next week or wait a little bit or yeah but now the the if you say Paul and Stellenbosch and Swartland, these are quite uh, they're not so far away from each other. Um, how much uh, does the soil differ, or is, is, is do you go on acidity in the soil, or what is it about the soil that you that you particularly make choose those vineyards? So South Africa is really. Um, very interesting we've got a very heterogeneous soil so within one vineyard you could have two or three soil types so it's really very fragmented um got very old soils and um for example the the swartland vineyard is all uh very granitic very leached soil so not a lot of nutrients um very sandy um and that gives you a very kind of electric wine with a lot of length and um, tension compared to the Stellenbosch soils, which is uh, sandstone, decomposed sandstone. And, um, you know, that's got a better water holding capacity. So those grapes um, and, and better nutrient content. Uh, so those, those grapes have a different ripening pattern and uh, can hang a little bit longer in that area and yeah we get um, a bit more structure in the wines so I think this is also what is interesting about wine is you know we know things about 
the vineyard or the soil, for example. But nothing is directly related. So that's why, you know, if you have a very, you mentioned acidity, a very acidic soil, there are things you can do. And but you there are so many factors that that play at play um, in the vineyard as as well as and then you've got the winemaking process with a whole bunch of factors and then putting the wine in the bottle so I think um yeah I, I realize the more you learn the more you realize the less less we know oh really so is this then um because they they wine is in specific years and they you know, it's it's uh, sometimes they say, "Oh, this year was a good wine." And what is that? Uh, what has to be in place for you to say this was the a good year for this specific wine? So yeah, that's the the vintages and <laughs> another complicating factor. So no two vintages are the same. Um, in South Africa, we'll have uh, different years. Will be different years will be good in different areas so um depending on the rainfall the climate um i suppose the big things we're looking out for is is wind during october and november when um the berries are setting uh so that's going to um determine your your yield for the harvest so the if there's a lot of a lot of wind, then then you won't get good set and you won't have a good yield. Then we also look at the rain. So but wait, you have of... to stop now. Now, <laughs> when when it's still the berries and it's a lot of wind, what what does the wind then do? So so the wind affects the the flowers, blows the flowers off, and affects the ability for for set, which is oh, when I it see. just becomes the tiny little green oh, things. Oh yeah, of course, of course. So, and if you have a lot of wind, then you get these bunches with very loose grapes mm. because the things have been blown off in between. Oh, I see. So, okay. And, and oh, yeah. Time. Yeah. That makes total sense. So yeah. you look at the weather report quite differently than uh, the rest of us look at the weather yes, report. Yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely. So, and then, and, and then we're looking at the rain in November. And then in South Africa, we also looking at uh, heat waves so january and february mm. can also determine and then also rain in the growing season you know you can get some rot so yeah there are a but lot of factors the heat, i mean and in january february um, those areas are known for really getting hot what does the heat do to the grapes then so above um 30 degrees or i think 27 I can't actually remember the 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 vine stop photosynthesizing so they um basically shut down and you're not they're not able to ripen those grapes so they are just in survival mode um yeah so it's it's all about the the plant and and photosynthesis mm. and how much water it can take up and yeah so, so, you so this are is also, where the science the science comes in again yeah but you um, are very dependent on the farmer who who owns this vineyard then on how they yes. treat the, the the grapes yes but we work we work with them 
So um, oh, especially okay. I'm, I'm buying relatively small quantities of grapes. So I'll, I'll pay a premium for it. Uh, but I need the farmer to do, you know, treat it like premium grapes in the vineyard. So we'll, if the, if there are too many grapes on the vine to ripen it all to the level that we want it to get to, we'll in January go and drop bunches. So <clears throat> that would mean less grapes and a lower yield for the farmer, but it's going to give me a better quality wine. So nice. we work together. Mm. And if, uh, and the age of a of a vineyard does this also have a role? Oh yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So from you know we talk about young vineyards, um, and that would be so they they vineyards start producing grapes from three years. So from about three to seven, eight years old, consider them young vines, um, and yeah, I'm those are not going into quality premium products so I, I don't really I don't really make wine from any I think the youngest vineyard I work with is like 20 years old um and then I've got one very special vineyard that I work with which is for this Divilke Chenin Blanc and it's a I've got it on the back here of the label I don't know if you can see oh, yeah. that it's a certified heritage vineyard planted oh, wow. in 19, 1961 yeah. so uh, we've got the old vine project and any vineyards over 35 years you can certify as a an old vine and this is our our kind of our our way of trying to protect these vineyards because it's part of our heritage and we need to keep them in the ground and as the vineyards get older they produce less grapes but the quality is really good so um, the farmers are maybe getting lower yields uh, and want to pull those vineyards out um, and replace them. But actually, they, they're they producing amazing fruit. So it's that balance between yeah. uh, keeping it. it commercially viable. And, and that's kind of how this old vine project came about to try and keep these vineyards in the ground. That is very interesting, um, you know, so I can understand uh, from a farmer's point of view, it's not uh, profitable for them to keep these old vineyards, but what would be the oldest vineyard that you can uh, buy from or that you still can get grapes from for the wine? I think, I think there's one, I think the oldest vineyard um, is like 90 something years old. It's a Sauvignon Blanc block. I think yeah I think there's like a 95 year old vineyard but you, wow. you can't just get the grapes those are um going to winemakers for with a very long time and um they'll have long-standing relationships with their growers so oh I see okay yeah, yeah. so you can't you can't you can't just pick and choose oh okay <laughs> so yeah, you also have to you you have to build up sort of a a reputation with your wine to to get those types of grapes. Yes, yeah. 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 But now, um, first, I want to ask that the, your your name, uh, Thistle and Weed. Where did you get that name? What was the so, idea behind the name? So the first uh, vineyard that we um, 
we're exploring, we're actually doing it on a Saturday afternoon because this all started as a side project um, back in 2016, well, 2015. Uh, and now it's my full-time full -time job. Um, we went to visit this vineyard and we were wearing slip slops and shorts. It's the middle of summer. We were going to go to the beach afterwards. It was Saturday afternoon and the vineyard is covered in these um, devil's thorns. So we, we couldn't actually walk in, into it. We had to come back another day with, with better shoes. Oh, and yes. every time we went back to this vineyard, we would get these thorns stuck in our feet. And, and this is where the, the, the idea of the weeds in the vineyards um, yeah. and uh, that they're part of the story we're trying to tell. So that's where thistle and weed came from. Uh, my business partner Etienne is to Blanche, so he's the thistle, and I'm I'm the weed. Uh, oh, my okay. surname is Heath. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so that's that's where it came from, and mm. all of our wines are named after weeds that you find in the vineyards. So we've got oh, Divilki, Karkibos, Brantnietel. Um, oh. oh, that is so brilliant. Oh, that's beautiful. I love it. Making, mm. taking a, taking a weed and making it so special to attach it to and the making wine. it beautiful. I think yeah. that's also yeah. um, something which is, you know, you pull out and, and throw away. Mm. And like, if you look at, here's another one of my labels. If you look at the labels you know really like um yeah. celebrated it it's wonderful i think this is a wonderful idea and the names are so typical south african as well yes yeah so yeah. we've used the, the colloquial afrikaans names for the weeds so that's typically what the you know the people working in the vineyards would call the, the weeds yeah and now um uh but tell me now this is so this is the business side of winemaking. So you, and, yeah. and this is the same as I uh, speak to many artists as well. And they, you know, we talk about this idea of you, you're doing your art and it's so wonderful, but it's, it, there's also a business side to it. Um, do, is that also something you had to consider when you started winemaking and, and, or, or realize that there's a lot of have to do with marketing and, and, getting your product out there, was that also part of, of what you wanted to do? Um, yeah, I think I had to become, when we, when I, I started this, I had to really become someone a little bit different, I suppose. Yeah. I had to start, um, yeah, selling, selling myself, which was quite weird, um, and my ideas, which I'd never had to do before, working for someone else, for another company, you you selling someone else's story so um that was quite weird from the business perspective but the marketing i really love and the design um aspects you know it there's so much you can do which is creative within the business which i love um what i don't love is the accounting um oh, okay <laughs> but um luckily most of the things that i don't love i can get someone to help me with yeah. so um, yeah, I just uh, do the things I'm good at, which is the winemaking and, um, you yeah, know, the, the marketing side of things, yeah. which I enjoy. 
Well, you've got such a great story. And I mean, the just the, I think that already, you know, must be easier to tell the story and to, to work from there and to get the marketing from there. Yes. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, with, with wine, it's like any type of art. I mean, you're a photographer, you get different types of photography, you get photography, which is for consumption and for photo albums. And, you know, you get fine art photography. So I think in wine, we've got the same thing. We've got say what people call lifestyle wine or everyday drinking wine. Uh, which is for consumption. And then the part of the game where I'm playing is really premium wines. And, and that's where, that's where the art is. I just um, uh, forgot to ask you something else that when you mentioned also um, fermenting um, and, and, and you said that the fermenting process, how much, how much is your fermenting natural or how much do you have to intervene there? So um, I think this is also something which has changed in my journey as a winemaker from kind of wanting to control things to to really just kind of guiding the ferments through. So I, I try, I don't, if I don't need to add anything, I don't. I do mostly natural fermentations um, and yeah, just kind of, I try not to stress too much about the wines anymore and let them yeah. do their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, and it, it's quite difficult to hold back and not, um, I suppose it's like a painting. It's difficult to know when to stop and not overwork it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's much easier to, to kind of make the wine and add things and do this and whatever. And, push it in a direction that you want it to go in. It's much more difficult to step back and and see where it's going and kind of go go there a little bit slower. Yeah. So that's that's kind of my philosophy. Well I'm I'm very interested in fermented fermented foods and fermenting and this is why I'm asking this that I always um I wonder how much intervention is there in say for instance wine making and even beer making you know that that alters the taste also well i think um you know if you if you're working on a a commercial scale then you need to add your add your yeast so that you can secure the ferment so that it it ferments and finishes and goes dry Um, you know, if you're making a million liters, you can't have sweet uh, off dry wine. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's basically making dry wine. But luckily, you know, my batch sizes are so small. I can, I can really monitor every barrel um, and only intervene if it's, if it's not going to finish fermenting. So, so that, this, that helps. Yeah. This is so interesting. Um, tell me, where, where is your wines available? Um, do you ship internationally? I do. So I've got um, distribution in Germany, um, Switzerland, Sweden, Belgium, wow. Netherlands, UK. So that's basically covers your, your part of the world. And yeah, then, uh, yeah. US and China and Taiwan as well. 
Okay. And Hong Kong. Yeah. That's amazing. And uh, okay, so so it's available basically everywhere. Yes, available everywhere, but the quantities are so small that mostly it gets sold on allocation. Um, But yeah, Mm. we we get a little bit everywhere. Yeah, well, that's so great. And I mean, uh, congratulations on what you are doing, because I think it's, uh, you're so young and you've done so much already. And uh, it's it's really... um, yeah, I'm I'm really very impressed with with what you just told me and and what you've done. Thank you, Pietro. Um, but uh, tell me uh, now, I want to ask you, what is your wish for the future? Um, world peace, I think, is an appropriate thing to say right now. Yeah, you know my. My husband, um, he works in South Africa, but they work, they've got business partners in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so sad about what's going on in the world yeah. at the moment. Like I think I've got I've got goosebumps now. Just yeah. it's really I mean, we South Africa, we are so far and not involved in this at all. But I think the human aspect of what is going on is really I've been so sad and depressed this week. Yeah. So yeah. No, that is that's, really that's my immediate wish mm-hmm. um coming from a dark place yes. but normally i would be much more positive i'm actually a very positive person mm-hmm. no but it's yeah. true and we 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 are so aware of it now you know that uh, what can happen if if one person uh dictator uh you know does make such foolish decisions yeah so yeah I think that that is my that is my wish it's very difficult for me to think about normal things my uh, my son's first birthday party is this weekend and yet my my husband has colleagues from Ukraine here and I just you know how can we go on with our lives yeah it's um terrific so that's true yeah. yeah but at least I have wine yeah (laughs) yeah yeah and uh but but for your wines what is your wish uh what would you like your business to so like um, in the future i would i would love to to grow my business um at the moment i've i've really i've grown the last um five years i've really grown a lot and kind of stabilized but um i would love to make more premium South African wine um, because I think it's it's good for South African wine um, and I think that's the, one of the problems is you know we there's a lot of um, high-end producers but we don't have the volumes to make an impact internationally And in order to promote South Africa and South African wine as a whole, I would, yeah, it would be really nice to be in a a position where I could just make so much more of the wine um, because we need to tell the world that we make amazing wines in South Africa. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, yeah, I do think, I mean, I'm very south african wine um i'm not i don't know i mean i'm not a a very knowledgeable but i have the wines that i 
like to drink and I always I'm always very loyal to drinking South African wine. <laughs> I, I think it's just the, I, I, I don't know if it's psychological, <clears throat> you know, that it's South African wine or if uh, if it's the taste or what it is, but yeah. But now um, what I also like to ask people, uh, is, is there a restaurant or something uh, uh, like a coffee shop that you visit regularly in, in your area that you want to do a shout out to? Um, so uh, Squirm is uh, an amazing coffee shop and they're also into fermentation more in the sourdough really? side of things. So oh, it's wow. a, started yeah. out as a bakery and um, they've actually, yeah, they've grown and have got a whole lot of little beautiful coffee shops um, popping up all over the Cape. So it's good. Great place to go work from as well. Oh, really? <laughs> okay, so I'll put their link um, also in the, the description. And I'll put the link to uh, your website. Is that the best uh, place to contact? Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's wonderful. Stephanie, thank you so much for your time and for, for um, sharing all this uh, with me. And um, uh, I wish you really all the best with your wine and, and that your wish comes true. Thank you, Pietro. Yeah. Have a lovely day. You too. Keep well. Bye. Thank Thanks for you. the chat. Okay. Thank you. Bye.